This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre, with expert commentary, analysis, and insights into the issues of the day. Current energy and climate policy is surrounded by inconvenient economics, says Dr. Michael Pollitt of Cambridge Judge Business School. By 2030, he predicts a possible 30% rise in household energy bills. Why? Largely because we could be locked into highly expensive, low-carbon and renewable investments from which escape might not be possible. Drawing attention to the fact that whatever we may think about the science of climate change, there are some very difficult economic realities around mitigating the impact of that change. Assistant Director of the ESRC Electricity Policy Research Group, Dr. Pollitt argues that if the Stern review on the economics of climate change had been conducted in the present financial climate, the outcomes would have been very different. He's concerned that green investments are subjected to the same scrutiny as financing the public sector because, at the moment, funding of health, education, and transport, for example, undergoes microscopic scrutiny, unlike green investment, which derives from energy bills. Dr. Pollitt detailed more of what he calls inconvenient economics of the energy and climate policy. The financial crisis is something which has obviously happened since the UK and the EU set out ambitious、um, CO two reduction targets and、um, signed up to ambitious、um, renewable energy. Um, goals, and、uh, the question really is: What impact should the financial crisis have on our calculations about when to make major investments in climate change and green energy? Any indicators? The interesting thing about the financial crisis is one: What we're arguing is that if you increase the financial crisis, should lead to us increasing the interest rate that we use to. Um, calculate the value of、uh, climate investments, and the reason for that is because the interest rate has to do with the relevant interest rate that you should use is the social discount rate, and that social discount rate has a number of components. And the, the the argument is that the financial crisis actually acts to increase the、uh, some of those components. It's Increased our, our our concern about inequality, and that means that、um, you are less concerned about ri- potentially richer generations in the future, and you're more concerned about poor people now, and hence you're less willing to make investments which pay off in the future. We're also well aware that the financial system、um, has been very close to collapse over the. Last few、uh, years, and actually, that again increases the, the the social discount rate that you should use because there is a real risk that our current economic system may not actually continue, and hence making investments now in the face of that risk、um, uh, is very risky. So, I think the financial crisis does have an impact on the the rate at which we should. Discount the value of future、uh, climate investments, and suggest that there is a, a stronger argument for delaying those investments、uh, out into the future. Are you saying, within all of this, that actually we are pursuing the wrong kind of ambitions? Well, what I'm saying is the the basis of our climate ambitions was the the calculations that were made in the Stern review、um, in 2006. Those calculations were based on a set of assumptions which the financial crisis has an impact on.
And if you re were to redo those calculations now, you might get a very different result from the Stern result. And the Stern result was it's worth taking early action now on climate mitigation, making large investments now. Um, whereas the financial crisis might suggest we can wait a bit longer before those investments are actually worthwhile. Well, can we? Well, I mean, the, this is all about um, what economists call opportunity cost. I mean, the opportunity cost of spending large amounts of money now on climate mitigation or on renewable energy um, has gone up. And as yet, um, policy has not adjusted to that. Well, isn't it time that policy was adjusted to meet that? Because time is passing and we're told day by day that, that it is important that we meet all sorts of renewables and sustainables and alternative uh, energy forms. Well, I think what's interesting in the recent public debate has been that we're beginning to see some of these costs being reflected in the public debate, that uh, public are now, I think, much more conscious that of the costs of green and, uh, and climate policy and that uh, people are aware that we are going to see the costs of these investments coming through over the next few years if policy continues to be ruled out according to the plans that the government has. Where do you sit in that whole debate about renewables? Are you cynical about it? Um, I, I think... I, I think um, cynical is not the right word. I think you know, one approaches renewables with the, the, the typical caution of an economist where... Actually, economists are interested in, you know, is this good value for money? If the ultimate goal of um, energy and climate policy is carbon reduction, then we shouldn't be um, doing uh, things which are more expensive ways of reducing carbon. We should be doing least cost ways of reducing carbon. And renewables are currently a quite expensive way of reducing carbon. Um, and renewable policy has always had a very strong element of an industrial policy associated with it, where you, you know the talk about renewable investments is a mixture of carbon ambitions and a desire to stimulate green manufacturing or green jobs. And, and I think economists are always very cautious about the language around industrial policy and, and, and a sort of desire to stimulate particular industries. Do you feel perhaps that the that the true facts, the hard facts, the cost factors, as an economist, uh, are being concealed, they're being withheld, so nobody's actually putting on the table precisely what the cost of all this is going to be? I think that um, there's certainly a, a, a difficulty in seeing what the costs are, that, and, and that's been highlighted in the debate around uh, electricity market reform, where the, the documents that have been put out by the government don't clearly establish a a business as usual strategy um where which identifies what what the prices that customers would pay would be in the absence of these policies um what the government actually have in in those documents are are a baseline which already includes a lot of policy um and so it's very difficult to work out what the what the impact of particular policies might be relative to doing nothing uh, or to doing a, a very different policy which the government hasn't um, costed. 
Going back to the point you were making about the, the, the financial crisis uh, hitting or affecting green ambitions, are we in a position where we should actually say, hold on a minute, the financial crisis is such that we need to park those green ambitions for the time being and invest more money in education, in health, and the things that people need today? I think clearly in the public sector at the moment, we've got a huge pressure to reduce costs and to control the deficit. And I think one of the interesting issues is the extent to which our green investments are subject to the same scrutiny as the investments that we make in the public sector. And one of the reasons why that may not be the case is because our our green investments are paid for out of our bills, whereas our um, public sector investments in health and education and transport are, of course, paid out of our taxes. And one suspects that, particularly at the moment, those um, public investments are subject to much more scrutiny than some of these um, private green investments which are going through bills. Uh, and, I, and I think that is potentially a mismatch in, in the... In the, in the uh, degree of scrutiny which some of these investments are being given. Looking to the future, all the major energy suppliers have now put up their prices. Can we expect more in the years to come or have we reached a plateau? I think what we can predict is that if our policy ambitions go ahead, that that is highly likely to add extra cost to bills because it is still the case that many of the investments that we hope to make look very expensive relative to lower cost alternatives. And in particular, we may be locking ourselves into very expensive low carbon and renewable investments, which um, we may not be able to get out of should it prove that there are other technologies available or that gas prices come down substantially. And, it, and it's that degree of lock-in to high prices that we need to worry about. I know that economists don't like to be pushed on this, but how much are we talking about in percentage terms? Well, I think the, the, the work we've done on the electricity market reform um, suggests that up to 30%... Um, rise in real electricity prices between 2010 and 2030 is possible as a result of policy. Not all of it may be directly attributable to policy because some of it may have happened anyway if if gas prices um, rise, but a a substantial part of that anticipated rise in, in bills would seem to be due to policy. Michael Pollitt, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.